quick note from the letter to the Hebrews before we jump into our main kind of topic today. One of the, the hardest questions in all of theology and in all of the, the scriptures is about the binding of Isaac in Genesis. Uh, when Abraham takes, in Genesis 22, he takes his son Isaac up on top of Mount Moriah and he offers him to God. And it's a really hard question. There have been hundreds and hundreds of writers who have asked about, like, how could Abraham have done this? There's famous paintings. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard, your favorite philosopher and mine, wrote a great book on this. It's interesting, at least. But anyway, Paul answers it here. Here in Hebrews 11 today, if you are listening to the words, Paul says, and I love this, Paul says that the reason Abraham was able to offer Isaac is because he believed in the resurrection. I love that. And if you go back and study this a little bit, the offering of Isaac is a profound prefigurement of Christ on Mount Calvary. And Paul tells us here in Hebrews 11 that long before the time of Christ, Abraham believed in the resurrection. Powerful stuff. Well, as we start today, I want you to think about counterfeits. We talk about this from time to time. The people who know counterfeits the best are kids. Right? On Christmas morning, right, when kids were opening up their presents, right, they, they know if something is a counterfeit. So I was with my family uh, after the 9 a.m. Mass on Christmas Day, which was, what, two days ago? <laughs> Does everybody else have, like, were we just here? Um, but my, my nieces and nephews were opening gifts, and I was laughing because my nephew Johnny, he got a pair of sweatpants, but they're Hurley sweatpants. And apparently that's a big deal. I, I don't know as a priest. I looked at him, and I'm like, they're sweatpants, pretty awesome. But he made this big deal of like, thank you for my Hurley sweatpants. Kids know counterfeits. Right? Sometimes you and I as well, we know there are some things in life that you can, it's okay to have kind of one of the, the substitute brands. There's some things in life you probably don't want to do that with. This morning, what I want as we enter into the mystery of the Holy Family, I want you to start and I want us to think about the counterfeits of holiness that you and I buy into. Now, I'm not married, as you know. I don't have a family in that sense. But I know that all of you who are married, just like priests have this, there are temptations to think of what your life should be like that are not of God. Every family I know goes through this thing where it's the keeping up with the Joneses. And it's a human thing. We naturally look at each other and we say, oh my gosh, that family, they're so perfect. And that family, they, they never fight. When I was in high school, I remember we had a, a family we were friends with. And they felt like that. They were good at everything. They, they seemed to never fight. They were beautiful people. I hate people like that. Right? <laughs> and there was this temptation to think that's what life's about. 
This is what happiness would mean is if we all were just like this one family. And today I want to invite you into the question, what is it that makes the Holy Family actually holy? What is it that makes the Holy Family actually holy? And right now we're in the Christmas season still, right? None of you have taken down your trees. Christmas, we should be meditating on this great mystery. And Matthew's gospel, I think, provides us with the answer to this question. What is it that made Joseph, Mary, and Jesus truly holy? There's obvious answers. Okay, their son is God. Obviously, that's true. But I want you to think about Joseph and Mary with me this morning. One of my favorite meditations every year is about Mary at this time. Mary, right, it's so easy for us to think holy people, they're always peaceful, they're always calm, they never get distressed, right? They, they kind of have this glow of holiness about them all the time, like one of those holy cards. And I want you to think for a second about Mary and Joseph. When Gabriel comes to Mary, she is most likely 14 years old. And you've, you've maybe heard me talk about this, but I love this meditation. Mary is probably right about 14. And her yes to God, which that yes is everything it means to be a Christian, right? Everything it means to follow God is contained in Mary's yes. And we might be tempted to think that Mary's yes to God made her life easy and peaceful, right? No problems, no kids who don't want to go to church. It certainly wasn't that. Mary's yes to God means that in a culture, think of our culture, if a 14-year-old girl becomes pregnant in our culture, she has real problems. In Mary's culture, which is a much more morally strict culture than we live in, for a 14-year-old girl who is not married to be pregnant, Mary has problems. I love thinking about this. Mary's yes to God cost her a lot. When Mary would walk through town, she certainly would have caught a lot of glances. She certainly would have heard people whispering about her. Mary's yes to God means that she is isolated from those around her. Right? She can't explain to her parents. She cannot explain to St. Joseph. Her yes means isolation from everyone except for him. Now Joseph, right, similarly, God is faithful, and I love this about Mary. Mary would have been joyful in that time because despite the external problems, Mary was united to God perfectly in faith, hope, and love. Joseph, right, Joseph has it hard too. His, his betrothed is pregnant at age 14. And Mary can't just explain this to him. 
But God is faithful, and so God appears to Joseph in a dream. All right, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. Now, in Matthew, right after that, after Jesus is born, it says that when, the, when they had departed, the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he tells them, take the child to Egypt. They go to Egypt. Then they're told to take the child back to Israel. And then in verse 19, when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, telling him to take back to Israel. In verse 22, he learned that Archelaus reigned over Judea in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there and being warned in a dream. My friend Father Jason asked me, he said, don't you think Joseph was scared to go to sleep at night? Right? It's like, <laughs> in a dream, God's like, no, do you know how I said go there, don't go there. Okay. Here's the big point I want to make to you parents, and I want to challenge you on this today. Your marriage, what makes a holy marriage, is that Mary and Joseph both had an interior openness to God. Mary and Joseph both had an interior openness to God. They both listened for his voice. They both were turned towards him in a spiritual way. The temptation, parents, right? For every parent, the temptation is you want to take care of your family, which is beautiful and good. But the temptation is to settle for lesser goods. And we say, I want my kids to have the best education. That's a good thing. I want my kids to be successful. That's a good thing. I want my family to uh, have a nice vacation. That is a good thing. But what happens is in the midst of this, we fill our lives with these other things, and we never worry about the most important of all things, which is an interior openness to God. Moms and dads, your marriage, and I would encourage you this week, talk to your spouse. Talk to each other. Have a conversation and say, is our marriage, do we understand that our marriage is meant to lead both of us and our children closer to God? Do we really know that? Are we really doing that? Look at your life and say, are you and I helping each other to know our faith better? Are you and I helping each other to pray a little bit more every year? Are we creating that space where our children pick up the love of God inside of our home? That is so important, brothers and sisters. I tell my, my couples in marriage prep, an analogy I use for them all the time is I say, if you're, I say marriage is a little bit like a car ride. If you go on a road trip, right, oftentimes you jump in with the car with somebody and you say, okay, let's drive. And on a road trip, you need two things. You need a destination and you need a car that will get you there. The problem so many people have today is they don't know what the destination is. They don't know what the purpose of marriage is. Dear Catholics, do you know the purpose of marriage? Jacques Maritain says this. He says a single, and he's quoting Aquinas here, who is quoting the gospel. So really, this is just God. 
But he says a single human soul is worth more than the whole universe of material goods. Did you hear that? A single human soul is worth more than the whole universe of material goods. That kid who screams at mass, right? Who doesn't let you sleep at night, who gives you trouble and, as they sometimes confess, sass. We never use that word in my family, so I laugh when kids are like, I gave my mom sass. I'm like, that's awesome. I don't really encourage you kids to do that. But anyway, that child who you are raising, that child's soul is worth more than all the material goods of the entire universe. The entire universe. Do you and your spouse understand that your marriage is not about a nice house or a nicer car or a smooth life. You are raising souls that will dwell with God forever. That is amazing. That is truly miraculous. Talk to your spouse about that this week. There is nothing, Maritain goes on, there is nothing higher than the immortal soul save God. With respect to the eternal destiny of the soul, society exists for each person and is subordinated to it. The whole reason society even exists, civilization, is for the sake of the individual soul that it might reach a, a union with God in heaven. Okay, lastly today, just practically, so this week, parents, families, but especially spouses, talk to each other. Renew your love and say the reason we're married is to lead each other to heaven and our children to heaven. To have an interior openness to God, not just to go to church, not just to say the prayers, but that our souls are oriented to Him. And I want to encourage you to this. Families exist for the sake of heaven. And dare I bring this up one more time, but we need to teach our children to have a destination. When I do marriage prep, too many Catholics come to me and they don't understand this. They have an idea of marriage that's just like the secular world. We have to train our children that they should marry someone who is Catholic, who loves God, who wants to go to the same destination they do. That is so critical for the renewal of marriage and of family life in our time. So Jesus, today, help us not to settle for counterfeits. Lord, help us to have true holiness. May our families be oriented to you. May marriages be training grounds for heaven May they love each other into your love. Jesus, may our families renew our society so that all might find salvation in you.